Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 5. We finished our series last Sunday on thinking like God. As we have now entered into, as I said, this Thanksgiving season, November. Uh, I want to just take a moment to share with you a couple short messages on how you and I through Thanksgiving can live in the will of God. Does anybody want to live in the perfect will of God? How many want to keep your life lined up with living in the perfect will of God? You know, everything about, as I've said many times over the last several months, everything about this world you live in is designed to get you out of the will of God. So let me check on a couple things. First and foremost, does God desire for you to live in the Word? Why? Why does He desire for you to live in the Word? Because that's a relationship with your God. See, everything needs to come back to relationship. A lot of people would say, yeah, I need to live in the Bible for different reasons. But the reality is, it means nothing if it is not, quote unquote, a relationship with your God. The Bible is God speaking to you. That's why you need to live in it. Do you need to live in church? Yes, you do. Why? Relationship. Come to get to know better about my God. Walk in the light of what my God wants me to walk in, which is all about Him. And help Him do His work. Amen? I said, amen. Amen. Does God want you to develop a prayer life? Now let's talk about a prayer life for a second. What really is a prayer life? Nothing more than staying in constant contact with God. Fellowship. I'm going to use the word fellowship today for prayer because a lot of people just think a prayer is something you got to do to lock yourself away and talk to God about all your problems. Nothing wrong with spending time alone with God. But prayer is an aspect of a lifestyle needs to be something recognized as fellowship with God. Amen? So you're going to see today, according to these simple verses in 1 Thessalonians 5, if you want to walk in the will of God, everything I've described for you today is tied back to thanksgiving. It's tied back to thanksgiving. Watch this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you're there, say amen. Verse 15. See then that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. See that no one renders evil... For evil to anyone. Say, that wouldn't be in the will of God. But always pursuing what is good both for yourselves and for all. Verse 16. Rejoice always. Now listen, the moment he starts verse 16, he starts a sentence that he doesn't finish until the end of verse 18. So really you need to see it as one whole sentence, not separate verses. Rejoice always, comma, pray without ceasing, comma, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. (laughs) This is the will of God. So what he's saying is, if you want to walk in the will of God for your life, this is what God's will is for you. You ready? God wants you to understand what it means to rejoice always. God wants you to understand what it means to pray without ceasing. And all of these are tied back to, in everything of your life, give thanks. Live with thanksgiving unto God. So I want to show you something today that maybe you've never seen before. First of all, let me define these as we go through them. To rejoice always, literally, believe it or not, guess what? A lot of times we look at that as just rejoicing in God. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. But you know what the word actually, the phrase here means in the Greek language? It means to be happy. Guess what God's will is for you? To be happy always. He don't want you happy once in a while. So I want to correct anything I've misdirected by this phrase, rejoice always. If you're obviously happy, you would be rejoicing in God. But the phrase rejoice always means to be happy always. Guess what this is? This is the will of God for you. God's will is, God doesn't want you depressed. God don't want you frustrated. God don't want you stressed out. God don't want you worried. All those things hinder God working in your life. So the last part of verse 18, this is the will of God for you. What's the will of God for you? Verse 16, to be happy always. 
This is God's will. This is what he wants for you. You ought to be glad God wants me to be happy. Now, happy doesn't just mean ecumenical and everything on the outside is the way you want it. But I guarantee you what, no matter what you face in this life, you can live a happy life. Number two, he said not only to be happy always, but he said to pray without ceasing. So the second thing in context of praying without ceasing, I want you to see, if you're taking notes today, number one, the thing that God wants you to do is to be happy always. Number two, he wants you to always be close to him. Fellowship. Unbroken fellowship. To pray without ceasing means unbroken fellowship. God doesn't want you to go a day separated from him. You're really not. He's in you. But you know what I'm saying? God doesn't want you to live a day not aware of him. God wants you to walk every day on this planet knowing I am walking close to my best friend. He is with me. He's right here in me. He's right here to help me. He's right here to direct me. He's right here to encourage me. He's right here to straighten me up. He's right here to to exhort me. He's right here to push me on to victory. See, everywhere I go, I got my God. So to pray without ceasing doesn't mean you and I, in the sense of what most think of prayer, is that we are just taking time to fold hands and talk to God all day long. Prayer here means constant fellowship. It means unbroken fellowship. Guess what it is for God's will for me and you? Guess why Jesus died? Guess why Jesus died? I'll tell you why. So you could have unbroken fellowship with God. That you could be aware of his presence every single day. Say, this is his will for me. Now, I want you to see this. So both of you being happy all the time and you being unbroken in fellowship with God comes down to number three. How do I actually live a life happy all the time and how do I live a life with unbroken fellowship unto God? You ready? You do so through thanksgiving. Because in everything... See, what's going to lead to the happy all the time and unbroken fellowship with God? Well, in everything of your life, give thanks. Because what I'm going to show you today is this is powerful when you understand this. What I'm going to show you today is to quote unquote be happy all the time actually has to tie into what we know of being in God's presence. Being aware of his presence. To rejoice always or to be happy all the time relies upon me and you being aware of God's presence all the time. There's a psalm that even says it. Psalm 1611 says that in the presence of the Lord there's fullness of joy. See, you don't have to try to be happy all the time. All you got to do is be aware of God's presence all the time. If you're aware of God's presence all the time, guess what you're going to be? Tell somebody next to you, you're going to be one happy, happy, happy person. (laughs) Amen. So to be happy all the time takes what? To be aware of his presence all the time. But to be aware of his presence all the time, guess what? Takes a lifestyle of thanksgiving. See, if you live a lifestyle of thanksgiving, you're going to live in the will of God. You're going to live in the will of God. What's his will for you? For you to be aware of his presence every day and for you to live a happy life. And to do that is based on what? Thanksgiving. Because in everything to get what he wants of the will of God for your life to happen, in everything you have to learn to do what? You have to learn to give thanks. You have to learn to be thankful and be somebody who walks in thanksgiving. We'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks as far as how that relates to me and you, but I want you to get this. To rejoice always, be happy always, listen, is the result of praying without ceasing. Yes. To be happy always is the result of praying without ceasing. Or another way to say it, unbroken fellowship with God. If you have unbroken fellowship with God, I have a word for you. You're going to be happy all the time. You, you're not going to get around God and be depressed. You want to know why? You want to know why? I said, you want to know why? Yes, I'll tell you why. God's not a depressed God. Yes. If you hang around God, you're not going to get depressed because he don't get depressed. Yes. And he's going to rub off on you. Yes. He's the far more dominant one of the, of the actual relationship. Yes. So it's kind of like you hang in the natural. You hang around friends that are depressed, don't do this. You hang around friends that are depressed all the time, guess what you're going to become? Depressed. You listening? Nothing wrong with having some good friends in the natural because if you hang around friends that are going to obviously encourage all the time and they're encouraged, you're going to be encouraged. Right? That's why the Bible says choose your friends carefully. But your first friend should be him. So if I'm hanging out with God and aware of his presence all the time, how could I not be happy? Say it again. If I hang out with God and I'm aware of his presence all throughout my day, how could I not be happy? Even in a storm. Even in a challenge, how could I not be happy? 
Why would I not be happy knowing I got God with me? You kidding me? I'm walking with God. But to be aware of his presence, therefore, you and I have to understand is a result of what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So I want you to get this. Rejoicing always or being happy always is a a result of. That's the progression here. To rejoice always or to be happy happy always is is an actual result of doing what? Fellowshipping with God always. Praying without ceasing. That fellowshipping always is a result of giving thanks to God. So if you want to be aware of God's presence, guess what? You can go through this whole Bible. In, from Genesis to Revelation, in, in anybody's life where they were aware that God was obviously with them all the time, I'm going to tell you why. You're going to see them forever giving thanks to God. You're going to see some really grateful people. Amen. So we're going to understand this a little better to walk in the will of God. Anybody want to walk in the will of God for your life? Well, let me help you. The less you walk in thanksgiving, the less you're going to walk in the will of God. Go to First John chapter 1. The less thanksgiving you walk in, if you are not thankful, and I'm going to show you this in a couple of weeks, but you need to understand this. Being thankful, honestly, in, in the context of the Bible, is not about stuff. Right. It's not about stuff. People always think, well, yeah, I'm thankful God gave me this and God gave me that. You know, there's things people have that God never gave them. Seriously. I mean, if God gave you something... You know, like you talk about people who go in debt buying all kinds of stuff. Oh, thank God he gave me all this stuff. Wait a minute. If God gave it to you, why are you in debt? Amen. I mean, if he gave, doesn't he own everything? So you got to understand, sometimes we get caught up in talking about how thankful we are for stuff, which we should be grateful for what God has given us on the earth. But the focus of thanksgiving, as the Bible teaches us, isn't about stuff. It's about God. Thankfulness is about one thing. It's about your God. It's the fact that you're thankful that He is your God and how good He is. Amen? So let's go through this progression. So to rejoice always, again, is the result of what? Constant fellowship with God. So let's see that from the Bible. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and we've looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. I know we've taught on it many times, but we know he's referring to Jesus. Jesus is that word of life. He tells you so in verse 2, that life was manifested. That life was manifested. He came, he walked on the planet. He walked here for 33 plus years. That life was manifested and we've seen him. We've seen, we bear witness. We know, we, we walk with him. John said, and we're declaring to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was what? Again, manifested to us. We're making this life known to you. We're not trying to hide it from you. We're not trying to keep it to ourselves. We want you to know how good this life is. This, this Jesus. Verse 3. We, with that which we have seen and heard, we again are declaring to you. Declare means to make known. We're making it known to you. Why? Why? That you also. Come on. That you also may what? Have fellowship. Why are we revealing this Jesus to you? Why are we revealing uh, uh, the relationship that he has for you? Why are we revealing about how to walk with him? So that you also may have fellowship with us. Because we're already in relationship with God. Notice, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. If we get fellowship with Christ receiving him as our Savior, we not only get fellowship, therefore, with the body, we now get what? Fellowship with the Father and with the Son, Jesus. The word fellowship is another word for communion. means to be one with. So we have the privilege and opportunity of walking in an awareness of being one with God. Many Christians go to church, or even many don't go to church, and are totally unaware of God in their daily life. If you're unaware of God in your daily life, let me help you. You ain't going to be happy. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Happiness is a result of us praying always without ceasing or being what? Constantly aware of our fellowship with God. Amen. Amen. If I'm praying without ceasing, that means I'm what? Interacting with God. Prayer is two-way communication. It's all about relationship. It's all about fellowship. It's all about talking to him, him talking to me. And if I'm doing that, guess what? I am having now fellowship with God. And if I'm fellowshipping with God, what am I going to be? Yeah, some of you getting it. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be walking in the will of God for my life. 
He tells you this in verse 4. These things we're writing to you so that, underline it, your joy may be full. If you are joy-filled, full here means overflowing. If you're overflowing with joy, let me help you. You happy. I said, you happy. You're happy if joy is overflowing in your life. Isn't it, isn't it sad how many Christians are born again? They've got the Savior Jesus living in them. They've got the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. Power of the Holy Spirit residing in them. They've got relationship with God. They've got an open door to the Father. They can talk to the creator of the universe anytime they want, get to know him, develop that relationship. They have the authority from heaven to be able to walk on this earth and trample on serpents and scorpions. Come on, to exercise that authority to take dominion. They've been made kings and priests with their God, that they can go about ruling and reigning as God created us to do so on the earth. And yet, look how many Christians are not happy. I'm going to tell you why they're not happy. They're distracted. Just like some get in church. Can't even get through a service without getting distracted. They're distracted from the presence of God. They're distracted from God himself. They're distracted from God himself wanting you to be aware of him. He don't want you to just come to church and get a message in your head and go about your business. He wants you to learn and understand how to walk in relationship with him. Fulfill what he has for you to do. Part of why we learn how to, how to recognize what God's doing in the earth so we can go do it with him. He doesn't change his agenda for us. Right? So if I want to hang out with God, get really close to God, I'm going to be doing things God's going to do. So again, our joy will be full if we what? If we walk in this fellowship with our God. So that fellowship begins by accepting Christ as your Savior, receiving the salvation that He offers. But then we have to do what? We have to continue to walk in awareness of that relationship. And if we do, our joy will be full. Because again, if verse 4 is to be fulfilled that your joy may be full, it's going to be because of this fellowship, relationship with God. If I'm born again, that door's open. Say the door's open. But the only way I walk in fullness of joy, here's a great way to know how close are you walking with God today? Where is your happy level? Where is your joy level? Because if it's low, let me help you. Let me tell you why it's low. Let me tell you why it's low. Because you're not walking in awareness of God. You listening? Paul could walk through all kinds of challenges in life and call them what? He called them all light afflictions. How in the world do you get locked in a prison in a dungeon in the nastiest place in the prison, rats, rat infested, all kinds of stuff. We don't want to talk about what's down there before you go to lunch in a little bit. And, and, and what are they doing down there? They're singing praise to God. Excuse me? That don't sound like unhappy people. See, you know the backside of the story. See, when you know the backside of the story, you think, well, I probably would have done the same. Many Christians would not have. They didn't know the, 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 the doors were going to flow, fly open. They didn't know that. They had no knowledge of that at all. But none of that affected how happy they were. You know why? Because praise puts you in the presence of God. So they were praising and magnifying and exalting their God. And as they were doing that, guess what? God's presence shows up. Come on, somebody. God's presence was there with them, but I'm talking about in manifestation form. And realize, folks, they were happy before the doors. See, everybody's happy when the doors fly open. Everybody's happy when the shackles fall off. But how happy are you before that? See, they were already happy. They weren't happy because of what happened in the natural. They were happy because they knew their God. They were happy because they were aware of His presence. The determination of how happy you're going to live your life, and that is the will of God for you, is going to be based on what? How close you are to God. But how close you are to God is going to be based on how grateful to God you are. How do you know? Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Say, praise the Lord. I always love it when God reveals to me what I'm to preach on, and I start meditating on it and praying about it. And honestly, I'd never seen this before. He began to walk me through those verses and said, you know, you got to understand, Daryl, clearly that those who rejoice always don't do so just because they will to. They do it because they're aware of me. If you're aware of me, you're not going to be unhappy. Nobody's ever going to, nobody's ever been. Now listen, the only people that are ever going to be at any time in the presence of God and be unhappy is sinners that reject him. There's a day of judgment coming. They won't be happy. But for the believer to be in the presence of God is not an unhappy time. It's a, it's a rejoicing time. Amen. Amen. So he began to show me. I guarantee you people are happy when they're aware of my presence.
but to be aware of my presence, they got to give thanks. They got to live a life of thanksgiving. They got to give thanks to me. Because if you're really living a life of, of thanksgiving, once you get this today, and I'll bring it back to you in a couple of weeks. If you're really living a life of thanksgiving, what are you focused on? You're focused on God. You're focused on God. You're seeking for who He really is. When you see God for who He really is, how could you not be thankful to God? Psalms 100, are you there? Psalms 100, verse 1. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Now, lands just refers to all that's in the, all the people in the earth. Even Jesus said the rocks are going to cry out if you don't. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Verse 2, serve the Lord with what? How are we supposed to serve the Lord? Well, that won't happen if we're not aware of His presence. Right? We're supposed to serve Him, but we're supposed to do it in gladness. We're supposed to come to church glad. You should be happy to be in church. You should be happy when you leave church. So you're to serve the Lord with gladness. Watch this. Come before His presence with what? Singing, watch this, verse 3, no, no, underline it, no, what? That the Lord, He is God. Yes. Know that the Lord, He is God. What's that mean? God is Lord. God's supreme in authority. Yes. It don't matter what you face, there's somebody higher in authority. Yes. It don't matter what you look at, there's, something, there's somebody higher in authority. You're God. Yes. Know that the Lord, He is your God. It is He who has made us. And not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Verse 4. Enter into his gates with what? So even though you may know this verse, what's the gate? So to come into this context of this phrase of what he's referring to, of a place of where a king would reside, you got to come first of all to a gate. After you get through the gate, then you're going to enter into a door, and then you're going to enter into the presence of the king. So for us to begin to get through the gate into the context of God's presence, what do we got to have? Thanksgiving. Into his courts where he is. Into his courts with what? Praise. Underline it. You're not going to do that unless you're what? Thankful to him. Be thankful to him. For him. I'm going to add. Be thankful to Him for Him. Not for what He's done. You should be thankful for things He does. But you should be thankful. Thanksgiving is all about who He is. You listening? Be thankful to Him. Listen, and bless what? Bless His name. Verse 5. For the Lord is what? Circle, highlight, underline it. See, this is why you're thankful. This is why you're thankful. You know why you're thankful? Because He's good. Why am I thankful to my God? Why should I every day be giving thanks to my God? Because He's good. He's a good God. Notice, for the Lord is good and His mercy is what? Say, thank you, Lord. What do you mean? Mercy meaning you not getting what you deserved. Mercy means we will not get what we deserve. We deserve to be punished. We deserve to be damned forever. But thank God for mercy. So notice this again, his mercy is what? Everlasting. It's not just for today. It's even for tomorrow. And his truth endures to what? All generations. In other words, his truth is available to everybody. He is not trying to hide truth from anyone. And when we walk in understanding the light of the knowledge of the truth, guess what we walk in? Freedom. Liberty. So what is this psalm telling us? This psalm is telling me and you that the way that we get into the presence of God, the courts... The gates, and then into the courts is how? Through thankfulness. Verse 4, you enter those gates with thanksgiving. You go into his courts with praise by being what? Thankful to him. Thankful to him and blessing his name. So a person who lives a lifestyle of thanksgiving to God, what are they going to do? So go through the things we went through. To rejoice always, to be happy always is the result of what? Being aware of his presence. Being aware of His presence is the result of thanksgiving. Because those who live a thankful life are going to do what? They're going to live in the presence of God. They're going to live with an awareness of the presence of God. He just told you that you enter His courts with thanksgiving. His very inner area of where He's at in the court by being thankful. So people who are full of thanks, full of gratitude to God because He's good, let me help you, they're going to be aware of His presence. This is a key nugget. This is a key truth nugget for you and me to understand being aware of God's presence. How many of you want to be more aware of God's presence in your life? Be more thankful. 
Because if you're more thankful, you're focused on him. If you're focused on him, guess what you're going to become aware of? His presence. And if you become aware of his presence, what's the result of that going to be? Happy, happy, happy. Amen. Psalm 95. Back up to Psalm 95. Say, God wants me happy. A little louder like you really mean it. God wants me happy. Like you sound like you want to be. Say it again. God wants me happy. Tell your neighbor, God wants you happy. It, it is a sad thing to think that God wants us happy and most Christians are sad. And we shouldn't be. I said we shouldn't be. If God wants us happy, how many know we need to be happy? And again, happy doesn't mean that God's going to see to it all your circumstances come out the way you want them to. There is an enemy on this planet, but thank God we can still walk in a place of happiness or joy in the Lord, which by the way is our strength, Nehemiah 8.10. Great strength comes to those who walk in this joy. Psalms 95, if you're there, say amen. Let's read the first five verses of Psalms 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. What is it that causes people to sing to the Lord and even shout joyfully to the Lord, the rock of our salvation, knowing who He is? Yes. Knowing who He is. That's what gives you the motivation to want to do what? Sing to the Lord and shout joyfully. Two, let us come before His presence, presence with... There it is again. There it is again. What is it that makes us aware of God's presence? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving makes us aware of His presence. If we're aware of His presence, what are we going to do? Rejoice always. We're going to be happy people. And if we are, we're now what? We are now walking out what is the will of God for our life. We're living in the will of God for our life. I'm going to tell you what. Happy Christians are a whole lot better witness than a frowning Christian. Happy Christians are a whole lot better witness than a stressed out, frustrated Christian. People are going to want to know, why are you so happy? Come on, man. Have you not seen gas prices? Oh, yeah. Why are you so happy? I got a God who supplies all my need. Come on, somebody. See, we should not be running around like the world complaining about the world. Let that rest on you a minute. Jesus didn't run around complaining about the world. He walked about talking about what God was doing in the midst of all the problems, in the midst of all the challenges. Why? He was aware of God. Amen. I'm going to be about my father's business. I, my father's at work. I'm going to go to work with my father. Read it again. Verse 2. Let us come before his presence with what? Tell me out loud, please. Thanksgiving. How are you going to be aware of his presence? You're not without thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with what? Psalms. For the Lord again is what? Tell me. Underline it. He is the great God. You know why we're thankful? Because he's the great God. He is the great king above all gods. Underline, circle, or highlight that whole verse. This is why you walk in an area of gratitude. Because you're aware, my Lord is a great God. He is the great king above all gods. It don't matter what God man makes. My God is the God and he is the king of all gods. Verse 4. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. My God has everything in his hands. Amen. He is a great God. Say it. So we'll back up and just quote Psalm 100. Say, he is a good God. Say, he is a great God. Say, he is the king of all gods. Why would you not want to give thanks to him? Because you're not aware of that. But if you become, you become aware of that, you're going to start thanking God every day for how good he really is. You're going to start thanking God every day for how great God is. I would encourage you not to wait. I would encourage you to start doing it all the time and just start thanking him for what the Bible says. Thank you, Father, you are a great God. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name that you are the Lord. You are the Lord. You are the supreme one in authority. Thank you, my God, that you're the king. Of all gods. Come on, somebody. Thank you, my God, that you're so good. You're so good. People would say, well, I would say that, but God hasn't been good to me. You're wrong. You're dead wrong. See, you're, you're basing it on stuff. 
And most of what you're dealing with in the aspect of the life of stuff, whether you realize this or not, and it's something we got to be reminded of and be aware of all the time. Galatians tells us this. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. If he sows to the flesh, corruption will be the result. If he sows to the things of the spirit, zoe life will be the result. So what you go through in life Yes, there are challenges that just come because you're in a fallen world. But where you wind up is based on what you sow to. Amen. That's good. You listening? That's why that verse in Galatians starts off with, do not think God is mocked. Amen. Meaning what? You're not going to make God out to be a liar. Meaning that you're not going to put on God what he didn't do. Right. You listening? God is a good God from whom all good comes according to James chapter 1. Right. And therefore, just because things don't go the way I want, oh, my God ain't good. He didn't do this for me. He didn't do that for me. Number one, how do you know God wanted to do that for you? What if it wasn't in the will of God? If it wasn't in the will of God, you, how many of you know this? How many are grateful for this? How many are grateful for this? How many are grateful for prayers that God didn't answer that were not in the will of God? Oh, my gosh. You ever thought about stuff you prayed for that, that you later found out was not the will of God? And that's why he didn't answer that prayer to begin with? He can't answer it if it's not in the will of God. But there's prayers we prayed. We thought, oh my gosh, I want this, I want this, I want this. God, please, 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 please. And it didn't come to pass. And then we get mad and say, God ain't good. God knows far more than you do. Amen. And sometimes what you want ain't his will. Right. Are you listening? Yes, so you got to understand this. Because even as it relates to aspects of life and what we walk out daily, we're going to reap what we sow. God is not mocked. Amen. So it does not change how good God is. God's good, period. And until you wake up with the reality how good God is and you're, and you're just basing it on your circumstances, you're going to allow the devil to rob you. That's why the devil, through circumstances, blames God for everything that goes wrong in your life. The devil don't say, I take credit for that. The devil don't come up and say, well, you know, there's bad stuff happening to you. I did that. He don't do that. You know what he does? He said, you're God. If you're God so good, why do you allow it to happen? If you're God so good, why didn't you do something about it? You listening? He is the accuser of the brethren. So you got to understand the devil's forever trying to get you to believe that your God is the one that's causing all your problems. Can I help you? God ain't causing your problems. What is God's will for me to be happy? Come on, somebody. For me to not only be happy, but me also to be what? Me also be aware of his presence every day. And I do that through what? Thanksgiving, realizing how good my God is. Look at it again. Come on. Let us sing to the Lord and shout joyfully to the Lord, the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence again with what? Thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. So if we're to come before his presence with thanksgiving, and we only do that on Turkey Day, we're missing out on God's presence all the rest of the year. You listening? Don't make Turkey Day the only day that you're aware of God's presence. Can, can I encourage you something new this Thanksgiving? When you gather around family this Thanksgiving, don't thank God. Don't get, don't get wrong about this. Don't get upset about this. Don't focus on thanking God for all your family, all your stuff, your dogs, your cats, your horses, your cows, your whatever, your, your, you know, your fence, your, 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 your car, whatever. You know, you know what you need to do during Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving, if you're the one doing the prayer, you need to lift your voice to God before all your family and say, Father, I thank you because you're good. It ain't about this food that's on the table. It ain't about this. It's about who you are. I thank you because you're good. I thank you because you're a great God. I thank you because you're a merciful God. I thank you because you're a gracious God. And therefore you, by giving me salvation, have been good to me. That's what I thank you for. Sure, we thank God for the food. If you want to know biblically how to set that food apart from this world, that if there's anything in there intended to harm, if you want to know how God can supernaturally separate that from you, I'll tell you how. You give thanks for it. You be thankful to Him that I've got something to eat. I thank you, Father, you're so good that I do have something to eat. Because the Bible says that whatever we give thanks for, book of Timothy, whatever we give thanks for is sanctified. It's set apart. Set apart to do your body good and no harm. I, I've told this many times in our church. I said, I wonder how many Christians when they sit down over their meal are really truly from their heart thankful to God as they're praying over that meal. Or they're just thinking in their mind, if I don't pray, something bad could come upon me. The Bible didn't say pray because something bad could come upon you. The Bible said give God thanks for what you have. 
And if you give God thanks for what you have, thank God I got something to eat today. Thank God I have food set before me. And because I do, I bring you in remembrance of your word, Father. All that I give thanks for, you sanctify. So that is now sanctified to my body. Set apart to my body. Do good, no harm. I'm preaching better than you. Amen. I understand this all comes back to Thanksgiving. So there's two challenges I have for you this holiday season. One, Thanksgiving. Don't be thanking God for all the aspects of what you have, all the family. Not saying you shouldn't be, not trying to go there. I'm just telling you, you're going to find the Bible says this over and over and over again. The Bible doesn't say thank God for your family. It says thank God for Him. Thank God for who He is. Make it about God. Make Thanksgiving about God and make it a daily lifestyle. Here's my second challenge for the holiday season. We're going to get into this at the end of the month. You ready? I'll prepare you. I'll prepare you. There are 24 chapters in the book of Luke. 24 chapters. So if you are not somebody consistently reading the Bible, I have a 24-day challenge for you to fellowship with God. Please don't read it because pastor said we got to do this. No, you don't. Not do anything. People have proven all through my 33 years of pastoring, you don't have to do everything the pastor says. People approve them. So don't do it because the pastor says you got to do it. You listening? I said, you listening? How many want to have fellowship with God? I said, how many want to have fellowship with God? So realize that you're not going to do that without going to the Word and fellowshipping with God in the Word. All right? In December, I'm going to teach out of the book of Luke. And what you have the privilege to do beginning on December 1st is for the 24 days leading up to the day that we celebrate His birth on the 25th, read a chapter a day. Beginning on December 1st, start with Luke 1. And on December 24th, you now have read the final chapter of the book of Luke. And on December 25th, which is Christmas Day, which is a Sunday, we're going to come here and celebrate. Amen. Amen. So I encourage you, though, they say an average routine or habit, you know, a custom, takes about 20 days to stick with to actually become a routine in your life. Well, if you do that for 24 days, then guess what? Don't stop after the 24th day and say, I'm done. Right? Amen. Right? Go on to John on the 25th day. Move on through the old, uh, all through the New Testament. Turn around, go back. Come back to Matthew, start over. But you and I got to understand, it's all about what? It's about fellowship. It's about fellowship with our God. So thank God I can come before His presence with what? Thanksgiving. And when we get in His presence, what is the result? An awareness. An awareness of who he is, and when I'm aware of who he is, what am I going to be? I'm going to be really happy. Go to Colossians 2 today in closing. Hope I'm helping you today. Colossians 2. We need to cultivate, cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. You do that by focusing on who your God is. We're going to talk about that two weeks from today. Cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. I don't usually even say when I'm gone because I don't want people ditching church, but I know you won't. We're, we're headed to Straight Talk. This Thursday we go to our annual Straight Talk meeting with our pastor, Dr. Barclay, and it's just Straight Talk, man. It's a day and a half of nothing but ministers and nobody else allowed, and you can't record it. You know, you can take notes, but it, it's just for him to talk to you like Jesus. When Jesus pulled those disciples aside by the fire, away from everybody else, they had some Straight Talk going on. And I love it. It's my favorite meetings with our pastor that we thankfully, we thankfully have a pastor who recognizes as Jesus did this with his disciples, so does our pastor do it with those who he disciples. And so this is my opportunity to be discipled by my pastor. So we leave on Thursday, next Sunday, say next Sunday. Next Sunday morning, one of our up and coming new members moving up here, Charlie Long, is going to preach for you on Sunday morning. And then Sunday night, Miss Brandy's going to preach for you. Because Matt's got youth group. And then Wednesday night, Brandy's going to preach again for you. Amen. For taxing Brandy. But then the following Sunday morning, Matt's going to preach for you. Right. Now, we'll, I'll be back that next Sunday morning, but we'll get in late Saturday night. Praise God. But I'll be back with you uh, that following Sunday. But I'm just here to tell you that you and I will all through the month of December get to go through the book of Luke each Sunday. We're going to talk about what we've read each week. Amen. So, two things to encourage you in. Number one, again, for the time frame you're in right now, start working on cultivating a lifestyle of thanksgiving. And then number two, when December rolls around, go through the book of Luke. And don't stop. I said don't stop. Fellowship with God every day when you open that Bible. Colossians chapter 2. You know, your flesh is so accustomed to just doing things out of habit. When you read the Bible, you know what you got to tell your brain? You know what you got to tell your brain? 
I said, you know what you got to tell your brain? I'm going to fellowship with God. You shut up. Because I'm not going to fellowship him with my brain. I'm going to fellowship him with my spirit. Let the Holy Spirit speak to me. You know, I, I, I love this about God's word. And I love this about God. Anytime somebody ever thinks they've arrived and now they don't need to be taught anymore, let me help you. Get far, far away from that person. Far, far away from them. Where all of a sudden they're too, they're too, you know, higher than everybody else to ever take a note, write something down, look at their Bible when it's being preached. Now I'm there. I've arrived, baby. You don't need to teach me anything. Let me help you. That's called pride. That's called pride. I mean, I'm listening to a teaching by Brother Hicks the other day, who was a great one of our, of our pastor's spiritual dads, one of his uh, spiritual dads, a great man of God, a great theologian of the Bible, knew how to study the Bible. He brought something up in the Bible I never, ever saw before in my life. As he's teaching on the context of different aspects of the Word and different things about the Word, all of a sudden this revelation comes out of the Bible that I'd never, ever seen before as he's teaching the Word of God. And it just reminded me, God, you're infinite. You're, you, there is so much to yet learn. It's like the more I learn, it's like the less I really know. And it's like, my gosh, there's just so much more to get to know about you. But when you focus on him, you want to. I said, when you focus on him, you want to. Colossians chapter 2. So in Colossians chapter 2, I want you to see this. Verse 5. Don't ever, that's, I said that to say, don't ever look at the verses. Don't think you can't get something new. Or at least be refreshed in something that you need to know. All right, Colossians 2, verse 5. For though I, notice this, for though I am absent, Paul writing of the churches in Colossae, though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order, and watch this, the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. What does he want to see? I am rejoicing to see your good order. I want to see things that are, that are obviously in order in the church. I want to see everything's in order in the church. But I'm also coming to do what? To see the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Yeah. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you and I, once we get born again, are supposed to actually make faith a lifestyle. Right. We're now to walk by faith, not by sight, right? So that context of our lifestyle in God is clear. We aren't supposed to just use faith when we need something. Faith is supposed to be lived out every day as a lifestyle in, unto God. And truthfully, I mean seriously, the simplest way you can define faith is what I heard Dr. Sumrall say years ago in a message. How far can you trust God? Because faith is just trusting God. You take God at what he said. Right. Amen? So faith is supposed to be a lifestyle. And because faith is supposed to be a lifestyle, you're going to see that therefore Thanksgiving should be a lifestyle. Not something we just do in November Every year when we cut a turkey open. So watch this. He says, I am coming to see not only the good order in the churches there, but I also want to see the steadfastness of this faith walk you're, you're walking out with Christ. Verse 6. As you therefore, reminding them, as you therefore had received Christ Jesus the Lord. Stop. How do you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? By faith. By faith. You got to put your faith in him. Trust what he said. Trust what he said, accept him, and receive him as your Lord and Savior by trusting in him. So he said, verse 6 again, notice this, having received the Lord Jesus Christ, what should you do? Underline it, so walk in him. So in the same way that you received him, by faith, you should now, he's saying, be living a life of faith. Just like you received Christ, this is how you now should obviously be walking in your life, walking in a lifestyle of faith in him. Seven, you should be therefore what? Rooted and built up in who? In him. Should not be rooted and built up in yourself. Should not be rooted and, rooted and built up in others. You should be rooted and built up in Him. Watch this. And you should be what? Underline it, please. Established in the faith. So a person who is established in the faith, if we, if we tried to take, you know, examples of people today and stand them up based on what we see of how they're living, and we say, so if you, you know, say you all know them, right? Like you know these people, and we stood three people up here, and so we, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but you take this person, this person, this person, and we say, okay, so out of all these three people, which ones of these do you think are established in the faith? Well, you know what you're going to know? They do it all the time. Established means you see them walking, trusting God day in and day out. So he's saying, you need, I want to see that you're, you're established in a faith walk. I want to see that you're trusting him every day. I want to see you're exercising that trust in God every day. So to see that, notice again, this is, this is critical, verse 7. So you got to be root up, rooted and built up in him. Notice, and you need to be what? Established in this faith walk. Established in this faith walk as you've been taught. I've taught you how to do it. Watch this. Watch this. Abounding in it with thanksgiving. 
Oh. Oh. So lifestyle for me and you is a walk of faith. A walk of faith is to be our lifestyle. We're to be established in that. Correct? How are we going to be established in a walk of faith? Thanksgiving. What if I'm not established in a lifestyle of abounding in things? Uh, excuse me, a lifestyle of thanksgiving. I won't abound in faith. Now, let me tie this back to if I'm thankful, what am I aware of? God's presence. You know why people lack faith in God? You know why people lack? You know, in this church, you're taught so well from the word of God through spiritual fathers that have poured into my life and those who come. You're taught, taught so well. You know, I love something Brother Hagin has said for years. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Wait a minute. It just begins. Doesn't mean you have it yet. Yeah. I, I can't have faith in God if I don't know what his will is. But see, most Christians then actually equate faith to one thing, knowing the will of God. No, 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 no. No, that's where it begins. But where does faith get established? You ready? Knowing the one that gave you the promise. See, the reason a lot of Christians struggle with faith is because they don't know the one that gave them the promise. They know the promise. Hope you're listening. They know the promise, but they don't know the one that gave the promise. If you don't know the one that gave the promise and all quote-unquote, hell gets turned loose against you to try to stop you from attaining that promise. If you don't know the one that gave the promise, guess what, guess what you're going to do? Get out of faith. Because you're basing it on what they promised, not who promised it. Amen. The biggest element to faith is knowing the one who gave you the promise. The reason that Brother Hagin was such a great man of God, was a great man of faith, is because he knew the one who gave him the promise. Smith Wigglesworth, great man of faith, because he knew the one who gave him the promise. These people walked in fellowship with God. Wigglesworth would not get out of bed, would not get out of bed without first sitting up and receiving communion every day of his life. Why? He received communion to simply remind himself of how great and how good his God was for what his God did for him. Before he would go to bed at night, he would prepare the elements. He would set them on a little nightstand next to his bed, and then he would go to sleep praying in tongues. When he woke up in the morning, as soon as he woke up, he began to pray in tongues, and then he would sit up, and then he would take those elements, and he would remind himself of how good his God has been and what his God has done for him. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus said. Because Wigglesworth knew his God, Wigglesworth had no problem trusting his God. The biggest problem I see in the body of Christ is a lack of knowing God when it comes to faith. As far as charismatics are concerned, they don't lack knowledge of the promises, nor do they lack the ability to believe that God could do it. The problem is they just don't know the one who promised it. I hope you're getting that. Because to be established in a walk of faith means what? I'm trusting God every day. I'm walking in a trust level with God that no matter what I see, I believe God above everything else. The reason a lot of people don't believe God above everybody else is because they don't know the God who gave the promise. You know, I've equated it to in the natural. If somebody gave me a promise in the natural and I know that person and I know they're good for it and I know they do what they say, then guess what? I believe in the promise not because of the promise they gave me, but because of the one that gave the promise. If I know that person gave me a promise to do something and they do what they say and I know them well enough to know that, I have no concerns about the promise. A lot of people get hung up on the promise instead of the one who gave it. Read it again. Notice this. He said, you got to be rooted and built up in him and established in this faith walk as you've been taught how abounding in it with what again? How do you abound? How do you abound in a walk of faith? I'll tell you how. Through thanksgiving. Now remember this. Thanksgiving is focused on how great God is, how good God is, how wonderful God is. If I focus on God in all those ways, guess what I'm doing? I'm walking in relationship with God. And again, watch this. A faith walk is trusting in God. Right? A faith walk is totally trusting in God. So if I am walking with thanksgiving to God, what does that bring me before? What does that bring me before? The presence of God. Come on, somebody. If I live a lifestyle of thanksgiving, I become aware of what? The presence of God. If I become aware of the presence of God, guess what? I'm not going to have a lack of faith in the one that I now know. 
I'm going to abound in a faith walk because I know the one that gave the promise. And therefore, I'm going to be really... Come on, somebody. Are you getting it yet? So see, this Thanksgiving is everything to living in the will of God. Because Thanksgiving is what brings us into an awareness of His presence. Without Thanksgiving, you won't. Most of the time we talk about praise being a way to bring us in the presence of God. Truth is, praise in its simplest form is you and I fellowshipping with God. But that's because you're becoming aware of God. And that's why praise that doesn't really sing about Him or how good He is, what He's done for us, doesn't really help people get in His presence because it doesn't really help them to think about how thankful they are for who God is. I hope I'm piquing your interest in this message. Because you've got to understand, the more you and I cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving, the more we're going to be aware of what again? The presence of God. If you're aware of the presence of God, guess who you're aware of? Guess who you now know? Very well. You have a hard time trusting Him? No. I'm going to abound in faith. I'm going to abound in faith. You'll never abound in faith without getting to know your God. Impossible. You'll never abound in faith without getting to know your God. Not possible. He's the one that you're to put your faith in. I've said it for years. Our faith is based on what he said. Listen carefully. Our faith is based on what he said. I can't put uh, faith in a promise that I don't know I have. So our faith is based on what he said. But wait a minute. But it therefore goes back to the one who said it. I base my faith on what he said. But I'm not going to still walk in it unless I know the one who said it. But if I get to know the one who said it, I have no problem walking by faith. Hallelujah. So how do I do that? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is how I become aware of God. It's everything. It's everything. I mean, when you look at Joshua and Caleb, they were thankful people. That's why they came back with a good report. They didn't come back with a bad report from the land. They came back from a good report. You know why? They were thankful to God. Look at the other moaning, groaning, million plus Israelites who came out with them. Were they thankful for anything God did? Lord, no. You know why? They weren't focused on God. What were they focused on? What they wanted. You know what Joshua and Caleb were focused on? God. I want relationship with God. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you and I learn to live a life of thanksgiving, guess what we're going to do? We're going to be living in the will of our God. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.